You're listening to the Dogaritaville Podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Lily. We are two dog professionals with two different styles, two different backgrounds, and two common goals. To drink delicious margaritas and talk about dogs. Welcome to Dogaritaville. Welcome to episode 29 of the Dogaritaville Podcast. Today we are drinking cucumber-themed margaritas and talking about training cues. For every episode, we pick a theme for our margaritas and each do our own take on it. We post the recipes on our Instagram for you to try. We're always looking for new ideas, so let us know if you have an idea for an episode or for a margarita theme. Our first segment is just the tip. (laughs) And our tip today is that recall is drastically underutilized. So recall, I always say that word and then people are like, so what does that mean? I'm like, oh, ha, that's right. Not everybody calls it recall. Uh, Come when called is severely underutilized. So I feel like the only time people actually attempt to use come when called is in a situation that their dog actually isn't prepared for. Because like we just work on recall in obedience class and then expect our dog to come when called everywhere. So I guess first actually get yourself a solid recall. But then the great news is that you can use your recall for literally fucking everything. Seriously. Like if your dog is barking out the window or chewing on something that you don't want them to chew or they picked up something they shouldn't have or they're pulling on their leash. Like you can literally recall your dog out of all of those things. And obviously in some of those situations, you might need to do some extra training. Like a lot of dogs are obsessed with barking out the window, so they might not come to you when you call them and then you have to start somewhere else. But instead of working on like 12 different things, like my dog barks out the window or won't come, you know, whatever it is. Just work on one thing, recall, and then use that one thing for everything. And just to caveat that, I'm not saying that you can't work on a hundred different behaviors, like in the way that you want to. Like if you're having trouble with your dog grabbing things you're not supposed to grab and you really want to teach them a drop cue, fine. Like go ahead and teach the drop cue. But I'm just saying like, you can just work on recall and use it for all of those things. <laughs> yeah, so this actually, I thought it was funny that you put this as the segment because it came up a couple times this week. And recall really is, I have a like a board and train client that is going back and forth between my house and his house because he was just adopted. So he has no skills. (laughs) Um, And so like I'm working on getting him to learn things and then he goes home and and they let me know how it's going and then he comes back and and so on and so forth. And and it's so difficult for me because that's I don't normally do boarding trains for owned dogs. So it's like that alone is weird. But trying to translate things. (laughs) I didn't realize he was going back and forth. That's kind of a really cool system. Yeah, I don't know how ideal it is, but just because on Mondays I work, I'm gone for like nine hours and that's too long for him. So um, he goes home on Sunday nights and comes back Tuesdays. So it's so frustrating for me because when I have him and obviously my house is super strict and, you know, we're doing really well. And literally the second I hand him over, he's dragging him all over the place. He's mouthing, he's jumping. And I'm like, bro, he does not do that at all. Like, yeah. (laughs) But part of it is because it's hard. Like, obviously, I'm telling them, like, oh, you need to do this when this happens and yada, yada. But, I mean, it takes time to, like, get into that habit if that's not how you are used to doing it. So it's literally, like, he'll be dragging them around. And I'm like, just call his name. Get his attention. (laughs) And they're like, what? What? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, recall is super important. I would say that it could probably get you out of just about any situation for the most part. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I mean, you obviously already touched on pretty much everything, but um, I think it's just important to say that we work on recall in the house, in the yard all day, every day, so that when you need it, like at a park, when your off-leash dog is charging some poor leash dog, (laughs) you can call him off. (laughs) Yeah, because, I, I mean, I hear about it all the time out here. Uh, out here, everybody hikes at Red Rock or Mount Charleston. And probably once a week, it's, oh, my dog, we lost my dog. We were out hiking, and he, he ran off after a bunny or something. And I'm like, oh, well, you're never getting that dog back. Cause That's the wilderness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but... 
so yeah, recall, I think is probably one of like the most important tools to have. And it's also probably one of the most broad and most effective. Uh, I would rather have a recall than a sit every time. Oh yeah. 100%. <laughs> like, yeah. I, c- I can only use sit for so much. I could use recall in literally every situation. <laughs> Uh, but I thought it was funny that you said what like defined what recall is because I was talking to a new client this week and I kept saying recall. And finally, at the end of the session, he goes, um, so so what is recall? <laughs> and I was like, oh, so you don't know what I've been talking about this all this whole time. OK, great. great we great. all need a Scott to go with yeah. us to our sessions because he'll do that for me. He's like, uh, so wait. Do you know what a puzzle bowl is? Because he sees their eyes glaze over. And I'm like, yeah. I'm just counting on someone to ask me a question if they don't right? know. But yeah, so recall just means getting your dog to come to you. I personally just use their name. Most trainers use come or something else. Uh, I don't really use come. Sometimes I say it just on accident. But But yeah, I'm guessing since this entire episode is on cues, we'll likely go into this a little bit later. But just some of kind of my rules of recall. And again, everybody's different. I think the number one thing I see the most, and it it makes me laugh every time. I'll be like, go ahead, call them. And they're like, Rover. Rover. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, I'm really excited to come over to you rather than peeing on that bush. I mean, you're just riveting. So, yeah, you really need to make yourself exciting because wherever they're at or whatever they're doing, you have to be better than that. Uh, and blandly calling their name in a monotone is just not going to get you very far. <laughs> yep. Um, something and that by I've the s- way, neither is Rover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's also not going to do it. <laughs> they, they also don't want to come to you if they think that they're in trouble. <laughs> right. <laughs> I actually, you know what? That that I'm glad you said that because that does come up a lot because people are like, it's one of the two. It's either Rover, Rover, or Rover, get over here. And it's like, <laughs> both of those are just so inviting. I mean, come on. Something I've started to do somewhat recently that has really, really helped is marking the acknowledgement. Um, because what I've been seeing a lot, because uh, my recalls tend to be at a little bit bigger of a distance, which I don't necessarily recommend, but I'm a little impatient, so... But so marking that acknowledgement, if I'm calling Noble from 15 feet away, as soon as he turns and starts to come or even just turns and looks at me, I'm going to mark that with yes or good boy so that it encourages him to keep coming. Because I kept running into the problem of saying, hey, Rover, and they turn to come and then halfway back they get distracted because I'm just standing there waiting and they're like, what was I doing? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so as soon as they turn and look, that's when I say, yeah, good boy. And ke- and then continue to call them. And then when they come is when you throw a party and they get paid and all of that. So I think marking the acknowledgement when you're at a distance is super important, especially if you're somewhere crazy like a park, because then they're definitely going to get distracted on the way back. <laughs> So yeah, marking the acknowledgement and then paying really, really well. I am obviously not uh, like super big on on paying with food all the time for a lot of things. But for recall, I think it's pretty essential. And for some reason, that's like the only pushback that I get on treats because I don't really use treats a lot. But I do use it for recall every single time. Every single time people are like, well, what about when I don't have treats on me? And I'm like, well, right now. You have to have treats on you every like why the fuck else would they come to you? So can can we can I ask you like why don't you use food a whole lot? I don't think we've actually ever talked about that. Um usually just cuz it's kind of unnecessary. I mean, I don't use it for leash skills because generally they don't give a fuck like even if I'm trying to give them treats when we're out and about, they're like, "Nope. <laughs> Dogs, people, bushes." And usually the reward is just something different. Because I think with basic obedience, we're usually uh, building it into their everyday. So, like, we're teaching sit stays with meal times. So, their reward is the meal time, not treats. And then we're practicing it at doors, and their reward is going outside, um, okay. not treats. So, um, it's not that I like intentionally avoid them, it's just because I train more. I don't know what you would call that. Like a real life scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So So I I just wanted to like go over it really quick because I feel like 
if I was a listener, I would be like, well, wait, like I thought, you know, you d- you were Lima, but like you don't use treats. But the important thing about least invasive, mentally aversive or whatever it is, least intrusive or whatever, is that you're using rewards based training and rewards based training can happen without food. So I yeah. just thought it would be like kind of good to stop and say that for a yeah, second because like absolutely. when you say you're not a cookie person you're not saying I'm not a reward yeah, person. Yeah and I mean don't get me wrong I have a treat pouch I wear it to every session I'm not saying that I don't have that because if they don't know sit then yeah like if we're talking part of it too is just being more into behavior mod a lot of the dogs I'm working with already have their basics which is what I would mostly use food for mm-hmm. so I mean I'm not and again sometimes yes but I'm generally not going to be using cookies to teach them to be nice to people and dogs <laughs> with people a little bit. But I mostly would use food for basics of teaching them like basic commands. Uh, but because we're generally practicing and instilling that in more real life situations, it just isn't necessary. Because I'm, I mean, I'm not going to have my clients. And I think I talk about this a little bit later. Uh, I'm not going to tell my clients, hey, for 15 minutes a day, you need to go drill sit stays. No, I don't have 15 minutes a day. I'm sure you don't have 15 minutes a day. And I also don't think it's very effective to sit there and make your puppy do a sit and a down 12 times in a row and then move on about your day. (laughs) So I just incorporate it to mealtimes and potty breaks and stuff that you're doing anyways. So it doesn't add a ton to your schedule. And it's just, it seems to be a little bit more effective because they seem to translate it a little bit better than just going in the living room and practicing sits 12 times. But yeah, I mean, getting paid can be anything. It could be a toy, food. Um, Sometimes if I don't have something, um, then I'll just get really excited and give them lots of attention. So the other day I was working my board and train and I called him and he came, but he didn't want the treat. So the next time I called him and he came, I just got really excited and he was like, hell yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I think one of the reasons most people are, uh, most dogs are bad at recall is because that it's really, really difficult for us to remember to use it when we don't need it and in super easy situations. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't need it, why would we be thinking about it? (laughs) Right. Um, So it's, it's difficult for us to get in the habit of just like, I'm not going to call him right now because he's on the treadmill, but like Doobie's in the other room right now. I don't care that he's in the other room right now, but just calling him to practice, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then he comes in and I say, hey, good job. Here's a snack. And that's it. Uh, And so that the next time we're at the park and I call him, he's going to say, oh, yeah, I know what to do. But we're not thinking about that when we're just sitting at our desk or whatever. So, um, yeah, if you only utilize it when you need it, uh, good luck. <laughs> I don't imagine your dog's going to be good at recall. And it's just so easy to practice around the house. It's just hard to remember to do it. Yeah. And I think a lot of, I think the thing I hear the most is, oh, well, she's always with me. She follows me everywhere. She's always with me. And I'm like, well, one, that's a different problem. But also, mm-hmm. two, I'm sure that's not completely true. Mm-hmm. At some point... She's not right next to you. So if she's on the couch across the room, you can call her. Right. <laughs> or if she's with your husband or whatever it is. Like, if she's really always with you, then we have a different problem. <laughs> yep. We, we really do. <laughs> like, maybe even a worse problem. <laughs> oh, I don't know that there's a maybe about that. <laughs> we definitely have a worse problem. <laughs> yeah, if your dog won't come to you put them on a leash problem solved but if your dog like can't be without you that's a hard problem to solve (laughs) yeah i don't i don't i don't want to deal with that problem more to the point recall is important people don't use it enough um and i think too something that i didn't mention and obviously this segment is maybe a little bit long but we have to be clear with recall because it's one of those things that people have a tendency to sometimes they just say noble Uh, sometimes they say noble come sometimes they say hey get over here (laughs) you know recall is a cue just like all other cues it is what it is it's not this that and that like (laughs) it's either their name it's or come or whatever your preference is but it's not what are you doing come over here (laughs) right because recall is one of those ones that always i'm like what what do you use for recall and they always have at least three three different (laughs) things and i'm like well that's probably why they're not very good at it 
Yep. Um, so that's important to be kind of clear and sh- short, clear and concise. Yay, we did it. Anything else on this? I just really love recall. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I just like it a lot. I've been using it uh, with Indy because, so one of her adolescent traits that she picked up was barking at fucking everything, which is my least <laughs> favorite thing in the whole world. Um, and I tried like a lot of different things. And then finally, just recently, I was like, I'm just going to call her to me. And it that that's all it fucking took. I'm just like, hey, Indy. Like if she starts barking, she comes over and she's like, what? I'm like, okay, there we go. That's, that's it. And then she's done. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, I think too... I, I don't think this segment needs to be 30 minutes long, but I just keep coming up with stuff. A lot of people ask how they can have their dog off leash without using an e-collar. Mm-hmm. Recall is the only way. Yeah. <laughs> so if that is your goal, one, you need a long line. And two, you need the most solid recall of your life. Yep. In all situations. <laughs> So, yeah, I think that's one of the big things that people don't realize is they don't equate recall with being off leash. Alrighty. So that is our just the tip about (laughs) recall. (laughs) We'll take a break here. And when we get back, we'll start talking about training cues. Margarita check. How did you make your cucumber margarita today? Um, it's my favorite and it's so fucking delicious. When we decided to do cucumber, I originally was thinking, uh, I was a little concerned. Uh, I was like, that does not sound very good. Uh, and then I remembered that I fucking love cucumbers. Uh, and that, uh, cucumber mint is my favorite. So then I got really excited. Um, so I just did two ounces of tequila, one ounce triple sec, one juice lime, and, uh, I think I did three slices of cucumber, uh, and I just eyeballed a bunch of mint leaves. But so I took the two ounces of tequila and put it in a small glass, and then I muddled the cucumber and the mint into it. The problem that I had is that I don't have a strainer, Ah. so that... That was a little time intensive <laughs> because you know me and my whole thing with chunks in my thing, my food. Uh, so it got a little dicey there for a minute, but <laughs> it worked out. I've also gone to the store like 17 times and cannot seem to buy agave, which I have been out of for like a month. <laughs> um, so then I was also worried that it would be kind of like not sweet enough, but uh, it's a fucking delight. It is so good. Awesome. And you have a little cucumber garnish in there. Yes. That's, uh, so I have this uh, impulse control problem. <laughs> the cucumbers were on sale two for one. So I bought two to make this one margarita. Great. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so then I realized that when I got home and I was like, well, I guess we're doing a garnish because that's still like not even half of a cucumber. And now I have... 1.5 cucumbers that I'm not going to use for anything. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I'm sure you did something ridiculous. I always do. Yeah. Um, so you told me that you were doing cucumber mint and that helped me decide what to do. So since you went like kind of a more like cool, refreshing route, I was like, well, I'll do like cucumber chili. I thought it sounded good. That does um, sound good. So the way that I made mine, I did, I blended a cucumber and then strained it um, through two mesh strainers to make cucumber juice. So I did one and a half juice limes, one and a half ounces of cucumber juice, two and a quarter ounces of tequila, three quarters ounces of ancho raised chili liqueur, three quarters ounce of Cointreau. And then I put tagine on the rim, which is like a chili lime seasoning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then a cucumber slice, slice garnish. And it's very, very good. I like it a lot. Yeah, I would probably I give it. it like eight shot glasses, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mine too. Eight or nine even. Wow. If, if watermelon's a 10, <laughs> I, think, I think this is a pretty close second. All righty. 
Um, Scott referred to it, so I, I made enough for Scott because he wanted some, and he referred to it as panty dropping, and he was referring to himself, um, his, his own panties. So there you have it. <laughs> I just love that the man that didn't know what a side piece was is now calling drinks panty dropper. <laughs> he used the term side piece colloquially the other day. And I was like, good job, babe. So smart. Oh, man. It never stops being funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, whew, let's get into training cues. Uh, so the first thing we're going to tackle is what is a training cue? So a cue is something that tells your dog what to do. The most common cues that you're familiar with are probably like sit down, stay, come, anything that you learn in obedience class, those are cues. So when you say your cue, your dog knows what to do in response to that. And if you're saying your cue, those are verbal cues. So if you're cueing your dog verbally, that's called a verbal cue. So when you say sit and your dog sits, when you said sit, that was your verbal cue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> that, that that escalated quickly. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think it's important to mention that verbal cues are what is more commonly referred to as commands. I originally had a really big eye roll at the change in terminology because it's who I am as a person. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it is more accurate. We are just cueing them. I think most people use cue now. I don't hear command very much anymore. That's that's one of those things where when I say it and someone goes like, what's a cue? I'm like, oh, I just didn't know. Like, I, I've just said it so many times now. Yeah. I just forgot that that's not how people say it, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to think the industry has changed to cue, regardless of like where you fall in the industry. But I think the common dog person still says commands. Yeah. Um, which there's nothing wrong with commands, but it is technically inaccurate. <laughs> Yeah, yep, exactly. My, like, big eye roll was just because, like, okay, the dog doesn't know what we're calling it. How sensitive are we going to be? But it it is inaccurate, and a cue, cue does sound better. <laughs> yeah, well, and it helps you change your frame of mind around it, too. Because, like, if you think that you're commanding your dog, then it feels extremely disrespectful when they don't obey you. But, like, if you think that you're cueing your dog and they don't respond to the cue, then that makes you kind of go, like, okay, I have to teach them. You know what I mean? Like, it just kind of puts the onus back on you. Whereas, like, if you call it a command, it's easy to be like, why aren't you doing it? You know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think... Um uh, it does help clients understand the goal a little bit better. Mm. Because one thing that I keep running into recently, which is really frustrating to me, because I feel like I haven't seen it a lot, but for some reason I'm seeing a lot lately, is like the people that push the dog's butt down to get them to sit and stuff like <laughs> that. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> even if you're a balance trainer, like that's you still don't do that. Like, what are you right. doing? <laughs> Um, so I do feel like cue is a little bit better to avoid situations like that. That's not one I see a whole lot. I normally don't. I don't know what's going on. But yeah, cues are not only verbal. You can also use hand signals, which are also cues. Uh, hand signals are my favorite. I love them. Peter only knew hand signals for years, and I don't think I even really, really realized it because I wasn't a trainer then. But one day my friend was asking Peter to sit and he was just staring blankly at her. <laughs> and I was like, that's weird. What's going on? And then I gave him his hand signal and he sat immediately. And I was like, oh, shit, he does not know the word. OK. <laughs> I didn't even realize it because I just I don't really use verbals very much. Uh, at least I used to not use them and uh, not with my personal dogs. I have a hard time, like, my board and train now, again, because I don't normally do board and trains for own dogs, I instinctively keep my mouth shut, and then he goes home, and his mom's like, he's not doing very well with sit, and I'm like, no, he's so good at sit, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, right, I gotta open my fucking mouth, so, yeah, if you've used hand signals, which I feel like are a, l a little common, I mean, not everybody uses them, but they're at least familiar, uh, you've probably noticed that a lot of the times they're more effective than verbal cues. We never stop talking, so just a verbal cue is not very clear. We kind of naturally teach them to ignore us most of the time because we're not talking to them most of the time. 
And a dog's first language is always going to be body language anyways. That's just kind of what they understand better. I personally prefer just using hand signals, but at the very least, I would do both a verbal and a hand signal. I just like hand signals because, like, especially when we're out in public, like at a store and stuff, I don't want to be talking to my dog. I would rather just give him a hand signal and check out or do whatever I'm doing. Yeah. So let's get into teaching cues. There are lots and lots of ways to teach a cue, but I figured we would just go over like the easiest way to do it. Um, my favorite way to teach almost any cue is just a simple lure and reward. And I, I don't always read through the outline before we record, but I did today. And it looks like that's the only one you're going to learn today because it's also Laura's favorite. So to lure and reward, basically the first thing that I do is I get the dog repeating the desired behavior through a lure. So I'll just use down as an example because it's super easy. So for down, usually you would just bring your treat right between the dog's front paws and then the dog goes into their down and as soon as they're in a down, you say yes and give them the treat. So that's um, repeating the desired behavior. And at that point, I'm not using any kind of cues because they don't know what the desired behavior is yet. But after a certain amount of repetition, your dog will start to just preemptively go into a down because they're like, okay, that's what we're doing. The game is when I go down, I get a treat. And that's when you can start adding your cues to that. Um, so then I'll start adding the verbal cue down right before I lure the dog down. And then the other thing that you can do that's super easy to get a hand signal is to just transition that lure into a hand signal. So you're already moving your hand down to the ground. So you can just start moving your hand down, not all the way, like a couple inches above the ground, and then like six inches, then a foot, then two feet. And then pretty soon you're just kind of doing this, you know, I don't know how to describe this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm like flicking my wrist. <laughs> like, I don't know how to describe this, but your, uh, your lure to down eventually can turn into that. And that's your hand signal. Um, so I feel like very fucking stupid the way that I just said everything. So I'm just going to shut up and hand it over to Laura. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was good until you started to try to describe what you were doing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I do it a little bit differently because I do use a little bit of a correction. Uh, so I'll lure them into a down, and 90% of the time, if they don't know down, their butt will pop up and follow the treat. So if their butt pops up at all, I give them just a verbal correction of, ah, ah, remove the treat, wait for them to go back into their sit, and then do it, start over. My hand signal for down is either like a flat hand or pointing to the ground. Just kind of depends on the client. Most people have hand signals that they're already accustomed to. I don't know what Lily was doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, <laughs> all right get it together um, but yeah I know we've talked about this before but my main soap soap box with cues uh, before anything else is get your dog's attention I know that sounds so simple but I bet you if you pay attention, you very rarely have their attention before you start asking them to do things. Um, I swear to God, every single person on the planet just randomly yells out verbal cues as their dog runs past them completely unaware. And I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Or like, uh, you know, you were talking about like you have the dog sit before they go out the front door. Like a lot of the time when you're teaching that the dog is just like, I'm going to go out the door. I'm going to go out the door. And so they're just like staring at the door and then yeah. the person's like, sit. And it's like, they're not looking or, at you. Yeah. Or like they're walking to the door and they're shouting sit 10 feet away from the door. And I'm like, what? What? We're not even there yet. Calm down. Um, but yeah, much like Lily, when I'm teaching a cure, uh, a cure. <sighs> teaching a cue <laughs> i lure them into the behavior adding in the verbal cue and hand signals it's somewhat important to note that i find it easier to just incorporate this uh into the daily routine uh i think it just makes clients more successful uh rather than like i said earlier carving out you know 10 or 15 minutes a day to run drills um i think it is more effective for the dog and i think it's definitely more effective for the client 
Because I just, I don't think most clients are actually going to spend that 15 minutes a day. <laughs> uh, and I think just in st- like putting it in a real life situation, I feel like it, it makes the dog better at whatever skill we're teaching. But, and I mean, they're just, they're eating twice a day anyways. So why not just do that instead of making it harder? I don't know. Because that's something I get asked all the time by clients is like, well, how many times a day should we be doing this? And I'm like, right. what? And I think that stems from like a basic obedience trainer. Like, yeah, you practice it every day. But I think it's more of like a behavior mod thing to incorporate it into our daily lives. <laughs> so, I mean, I get why people think that it's like, oh, we should be practicing this for 15 minutes every day. I don't, that's just never made sense to me. But I don't have a basic obedience background either. So maybe that's why. (laughs) Well, with a lot of behavior mod clients, they probably already know sit, right? So like you would, you would be surprised. (laughs) Oh, okay. But yeah. But, and then you're just like, that's a really good way to expand, like to get them to sit. You know, a lot of people ask like, well, when can I stop using treats or when can we do it outside? Like, that's a really good way to start getting them to do it for those just functional rewards throughout the day. Like if they have to do it to go out the door or to get their meals, then they're going to like, that's just doing a default of expanding that behavior into something more difficult. Yeah. I was shocked. Um, we've been working on sit with the board and train for pretty hardcore, uh, just cause he's high energy and he's jumpy and he's mouthy. And so we're really kind of doing the, the sit for everything to come out of the kennel, to come inside from outside Uh, everything and I was shocked because we hadn't started working on socializing with people yet he's super friendly I'm not worried about it but like we just I haven't had him that long and we were at the dog the pet store the other day and this little fucker (laughs) every single person that he met he went straight up to them and sat down because I don't give him attention unless he sits. So he's just translated that already. And I'm like, holy shit. That's awesome. This is is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I was so like, I didn't do that intentionally. Like, that's just, that's how we practice sit at the house. (laughs) And I could not believe it. And I was so excited. He made me look very good. (laughs) So there's some information about what training cues are. We'll take a break here, and when we get back, we will give you some ticks, some tips and tricks. We don't want to give you any ticks. <laughs> some ticks and trips <laughs> of training cues. Margarita check. How's your cucumber margarita? Still so good. <laughs> It really is. It's just so delicious. I'm kind of sad that I'm only having one. Maybe I'll make more later. Yeah, you definitely should. You have a whole 1.5 cucumbers left that you could use. So stupid. I wonder if I can bring them in my carry-on. I got to get a strainer, though. Do you? Oh, just you're get flying. That? Don't you usually drive? I'm driving home because I'm picking up the dogs, my brother's dogs. Oh, gotcha. What did you, how much uh, tequila did you put in yours? Well, so the recipe that I put on here had um, two and a quarter ounces of tequila, but Scott and I finished that first round pretty quickly, (laughs) and then I just kind of threw all of the ingredients into um, this mason jar, (laughs) and um, (laughs) it tastes different. Uh, <laughs> better or worse better i i did more of the chili liqueur and a little bit more lime the first time through it was really really strong of cucumber um and so this way it has a little more like flavor to it i guess oh that's what i was trying to ask you where do you get a strainer at like total wine or amazon or oh i just have like sieves like like cooking strainers like the mesh ones i probably got them on amazon that's where i get everything is it called a sieve? Yeah. Oh, okay. How do you spell that? Uh, S-I-E-V-E, I think. I'll see if I can find the ones that I have. Now I can be bougie. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm pretty drunk. I don't know if that's, like, coming through to the listener, but, <laughs> she- <laughs> man. Um, She's really been drunk. drinking all day. <laughs> so, yeah, for about three hours now. Um. Okay. 
So in this segment, we are going to just give you some random extra information about cues. It was a little bit hard for me to chunk up this outline into something coherent, so I just went with extra shit about cues. <laughs> so the first thing that I wanted to go over... A smorgasbord, if you will. <laughs> the first thing that I wanted to go over is that you can cue your dog outside of verbal cues and hand signals. So an example is, this is one that I frequently implement for um, my own dogs and then also for clients whose dogs uh, like rush the front door when someone comes over, is giving the dog a place to go or something to do when there's a door knock or a doorbell noise. So effectively, the knock or the doorbell noise is the cue for the dog to go do something. Um, so it's not you asking every time. Another example is when I grab my dog's harnesses. That itself is a cue for my older dogs, my boys, to come to me and sit so that I can easily put their harnesses on. And then Indy is really little, and so um, it just has happened over time that every time she comes to me, I she has a cue called raise the roof <laughs> because uh, I have a really bad back and I hate bending down to pet her. She's so tiny. Um, so I tell her to raise the roof and she like puts her paws up in the air and then I just pet her face <laughs> and I'm like, yay, good job. And I don't have to bend all the way to the floor. And so to get her harness on, I just started using her little raise the roof cue and then I'd put her harness on that way. And so now when I grab the harnesses, my boys come and sit and she comes and puts her little arms up in the air. So that's another like a cue outside of me telling them what to do. Just when I grab the harnesses, they know what to do. And then I wanted to point out that consistency is really important if you want to lock in this kind of cue. I mean, any kind of cue, but this kind of cue specifically. And I'll give a little anecdotal example. So uh, we go out the back door when we leave the house to go on a walk or go to the car or whatever. And I like my dogs to sit in that situation. However, my boys get let out of that same door for all their potty breaks. And I don't have the patience to do the whole sit routine every time. So I just open the door. They can go out. And so when they need to sit at the door, I always have to verbally cue them because sometimes I ask them to sit and sometimes I don't. But Indy gets let out of a different door to go into her little fenced area for potty breaks. And the only time she ever goes out the back door is a time that she has to sit. So when I walk to the back door, it's already a cue to Indy to sit. Well, for my boys, they need the verbal cue because I'm consistent with Indy, but not with them. So hopefully that makes a little bit of sense, but that's what works for us. There's nothing wrong with it, but I just want to make the point that if you're looking for an environmental cue, you have to be 100% consistent. Otherwise, you're just not going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like Lily said, consistency is definitely key regardless of what kind of cue uh, you're trying to teach. Uh, people have a really bad habit of unintentionally teaching their dogs to blow them off. Isn't um, it crazy? <laughs> I, and they literally don't even know. Like, uh -huh. they don't notice. They have no idea they're doing it. It's bananas. So almost every client will ask for a sit and then get distracted if they don't do the behavior and just move on. And they legit, they genuinely don't even realize it. Yeah. So if you ask for something and don't follow through, you are literally teaching them that verbal cues don't matter and they don't have to listen to you. <laughs> yep. And I see a lot of like an impatience too, like where they are kind of aware of it, but like, yeah. they're like okay, sit. And then if the yeah. dog doesn't, they're like, okay, well we have to, you know, let's just but keep moving. <laughs> it's just crazy to me because it's like immediate, like they'll ask right. once or twice and then be like, oh, well, it's not going to happen. Moving on. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> um, so, yeah, be consistent. Follow through with what you're asking. And almost more importantly, be cognizant of what you're asking and when. Because yep. I myself have gotten stuck in a lot of situations where I ask them for something and it's like they're not ready to do that behavior in this environment or whatever it is. But I already asked, so now I'm fucked. <laughs> right. Or if they don't know the cue well enough to do it without being lured with food or something like that, and I don't have food, but I already asked for it without food, I'm fucked. <laughs> yep. Um, and that's so, something that you were really helpful with, with Mooney as well when I first got him. Because one of the things that you had us work on was that door routine, the sit to go out the door. And I remember you telling me, like, if you do not have time to stand there for 30 minutes – 
don't ask him to do it. Because, like, when I first got him, he was so persistent. He would literally stand there for a fucking hour. So you were like, if you don't have time, don't ask for it. Like, just go out the door. And that was so helpful because sometimes you think, like, you have to do it every single time. Yeah. I mean, the more you do it, the better. But if you – so I always tell people – you can give them a freebie. Like, if you don't have time, just let them go mm-hmm. and don't ask for the sit. But if you ask for the sit and then give up, you just screwed yourself because now it, you're going to have to fight all over again and start from the beginning of getting them to sit. Yep. Because it worked once that they refused. <laughs> but yeah, generally speaking, we want to teach and build cues in the easiest place possible, which is generally speaking at home. Depending on the circumstance, it might mean that they're separated from the other dogs in the home. Whatever you need to do to increase their focus until you're confident that they actually know the behavior. All the time. (laughs) I hear people say, oh, they know it, but only if I have a treat. Oh, they know it, but only if this. Then they do not fucking know it. Right. If they cannot do it, regardless of the circumstance, they don't know the cue. End of story. If they only sit inside, not outside, if they only sit when they're by themselves, then they don't know sit. End. End of story. (laughs) No exceptions. (laughs) Um, Once you feel like they fully understand the cue, then you can, that's when you can start leveling up. So if you've been practicing in the living room, separated from your other dogs, then I would level up to, okay, we're still in the living room, but now the other dogs are around and make sure that they can still accomplish the task, even though your other dogs are milling about or whatever it might be. Then I usually level up from the house to the backyard because there's quite a distinction. (laughs) Yep. There's very little rules in the backyard, generally speaking. So that can be a big difference. And there's a lot more distractions, obviously. Um, once they're really good and consistent in the backyard, then maybe we level up to the front yard. Uh, once they're good there, then we can start leveling up to, you know, the pet store or the park or whatever it is. Uh, or maybe when visitors are over, I mean, it could be a thousand things, but, um, we just want to continue to practice the behavior while increasing the distractions and ensuring that they're able to accomplish the task in a variety of settings. Because if they only do the task in certain settings, then they don't know it well enough. That being said, (laughs) that does not mean that you bring your dog around something that is difficult for them and try to make them do something (laughs) like. So if if your dog is leash reactive, that doesn't mean they don't know sit if they won't sit by another dog on leash like that. (laughs) That does not translate. That's not what I mean. (laughs) Yep. Like leveling up is exactly what it sounds like. It's methodical. It's not you don't ever throw your dog into something that's too hard for them. And then this is probably also a good, this isn't something we wrote down, but it's probably a good time to talk about, um, because when you're first teaching cues, you're usually using food. And a a question that a lot of people have is like, when do I stop using food or how do I stop using food? So should we touch on that really quick? Sure. Um, so what I do for that is I start, I start out giving food every single time. And then once it's something that like every time I cue them, they'll they'll do it in a certain setting then I'll start hiding the treat so uh, at first I'm showing them the treat because I'm using the treat to lure them so obviously they see the treat but then I start hiding the treat so they don't see it and I'm just using my hand to lure them and then the treat comes out of nowhere so then they start thinking like okay so even if I can't see a treat it's still coming and then after I do that hiding the treat then I'll start only treating them like every other time or every third time Um, or you can do it where like you only treat if it was perfect. So like if you ask for a sit and they sit after five seconds, no treat. Um, but if you ask for a sit and they sit right away, then treat. So there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of fade treats out slowly. Um, but it's important to remember that if you're ever in a situation where you're not using any kind of reward, even after your dog quote unquote knows the cue, that cue is going to disappear. So over time, as you're getting rid of your treats, you want to be adding in other things. So like Laura was talking about, um, use it to get out of the crate, use it to get your food, use it to go out the door. But it's never just like, 
I mean, not never. Sometimes you do use it with no rewards, but but it shouldn't ever be a consistent thing that you're asking your dog to do something and they don't get anything rewarding for that because then they're going to stop doing it. It's not worth it anymore. Sorry, I'm eating my cucumber garnish. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so like Lily said, a lot of people's first question is like, so do I have to have a treat pouch forever? And again, not a cookie lady, but I always have my treat pouch on. You never know when you're going to need it. Uh, (laughs) um, but if you don't like that, that's fine. You just have to switch the, the reward, right? So if I don't have treats or I just don't feel like opening it or whatever the fuck. So like recall is a good example. I don't have food, right? I'm not sharing my cucumber and I don't have any other food right now. So if I call Doobie, Doobie, pop, 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 Doobie, good boy, So I don't have any food, but when he gets here, I'm going to say good boy and snuggle his face. You're not Doobie. You're Nobo. Uh, (laughs) I called Doobie, so he immediately woke up and came over and was like, what are we doing? And it's also important to be aware of what your dog enjoys. Because, like, Laura has another dog who would not enjoy his face being snuggled. And so she would not use face snuggles to reward him for anything. (laughs) But if your dog really likes it, then, you know. Are you kidding me right now? He's trying to break into the Vittle Vault. <laughs> you know I can see you, right? I'm sitting right here. But yeah, so like Peter doesn't want to be snuggled. <laughs> and he also does not like food. So if he came when I called him, I'm just going to say, hey, good job, buddy. And move on and leave him alone because that's what he wants. <laughs> yep. So keep in um, mind what your dog actually wants. And that's what, you know, those are going to be your successful rewards. <laughs> Um, I think, too, something that's overlooked that we touched on a little bit is what verbals are we going to use, right? So I ask people all the time, do you stay or do you use wait? Mm-hmm. And every single time they look at me like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> like, I don't know, both? Uh, if you don't know what cues you're using, neither does your dog. Yep. So a lot of times people use multiple words for the same action that is not very clear or consistent. And that is why your dog is not very clear or consistent. Um, So making sure that verbal cues are concise is super important. For instance, a lot of people like whether it's the kennel or a place command, people use like, oh, it's bedtime or go to your bed or whatever it is. And I'm like, why are we using seven words? Like, (laughs) just just say bed or say place. Um, And it's not, I mean, they're not stupid. They're going to learn what go to your bed means as well. But I just think it's unnecessary. (laughs) Um, I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with go to your bed. But place is just easier or bed or, you know, soda pop. I don't give a shit what it is. Yeah. Uh, I just try to avoid the multiple word commands for the most part, just because they're, I mean, they're just not necessary. And again, the longer the cue, the harder it is for them to understand because we talk all of the time. Yep. Uh, and most clients tend to speak in sentences or have multiple words for, cert- for again, the same action. Uh, recall, again, good example, because 99% of the time you say something different every time you need your dog. Yeah. Hey, stop that. Hey, come here. Oscar, come here. I mean, you say a bunch of stuff. Stop doing that. Come over here. Blah, blah, blah. None of those are cues. <laughs> um, so just be aware of what you're saying because it's almost never the dog that doesn't understand. Right. <laughs> We're not actually teaching them anything. We just expect them to know what we want. <laughs> yeah. Something that I had to do because I I don't know what it is about me, but I'm often like speaking before I've even started thinking. Um, So like I. (laughs) I almost choked on my cucumber. (laughs) So I have had to implement some cues based on what just comes out of my mouth because uh, like in obedience class, right, with with Mooney, we taught him stay. But almost every time I'm talking to Mooney and I want him to stay somewhere, I say, hold on. It just comes out of my mouth. I say, hold on. (laughs) And so then I just retaught him stay with hold on because I'm like, that's just what I'm going to say. So like if there's something that you can't avoid flying out of your mouth, then make it your cue. Don't teach them come and then say, come here every time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and that's why I don't use cum. That's why I use their names. Because otherwise, I just fall down a rabbit hole of saying a bunch of shit. And I don't know why, but stay and wait are, like, impossible for me. I use both. I cannot pick one. I can't do it. <laughs> and it drives me nuts. Well, and it's like, I'll finally pick one. I, like, decided, like, okay, I want to use wait. I don't want to use stay. That's what, and then I can't stop saying stay. And then, like, I have a client that says stay, or I have a client that says wait. And God damn it. I'm still trying to get out of using both, but here we are. <laughs> so, I mean, it is difficult because, I mean, like I said, we never shut up. So it's just constantly a battle. But um, it's super important because, again, I can't say it enough. <laughs> If we are not clear, they will not learn what we want. (laughs) I think that's it. That segment didn't really have a purpose, right? It was just random, like, tips and tricks. Random shit. Yeah. So Um, there you go. It's done now. (laughs) So I do, I have, like, a question. I don't don't know. Do you have time? Do you have energy for more things right here? I feel like the time was a better question than the energy. Because the energy question will always be no. Uh, (laughs) Okay, well, then I'm just going to do it. So um, I want to hear your opinion on this. Like, I want your take on this because I wonder if you feel the same way I do or not. Um, But a lot of people want to learn to like they want to teach their dog a cue to stop doing something that they shouldn't be doing. Like they want to teach off. And I'm like, well, they shouldn't be counter surfing. What, like, are we showing them, like, yeah, you can counter surf until I say off? Like, well, I don't understand. Or, like, you know, off when they jump up. I'm like, shouldn't we just be teaching them not to jump up? Why do you want them to jump up until you say off? Or quiet is another one. Like, are they just allowed to bark until you say quiet? Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I just recently started doing, not really super recently. Um, but I just started using a universal verbal correction, and that is for everything. It simply just means stop what you're doing. Got so it. So that you can, it's the same cue for every single thing. Doesn't matter if you're going somewhere I don't want you to go. Doesn't matter if you have something I don't want you to have. Doesn't matter if you're jumping, counter serpent, whatever. A verbal correction is a verbal correction, and it's the same verbal correction always. And it just means stop. <laughs> stop what you're doing. <laughs> um, so I just use eh, eh, for everything. It comes up a lot because I've had a lot of one-year-olds lately. <laughs> <laughs> so if they're bothering one of the dogs and they're, the other dog is telling them to leave them alone and they're not doing it, then they get an uh, uh. If I forgot to put the baby gate up and they're going down the hallway, they get an uh, uh. If they go into the kitchen, they're not supposed to go in the kitchen, they get an uh, uh. <laughs> they grab my shoe. Uh, uh. <laughs> Um, so I found that easier than having six different commands of like off, drop, blah, 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 da da. That was kind of a song. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Uh, <laughs> um, it's just uh, uh, means stop what you're doing, and we can apply it in all situations, inside, outside, doesn't matter. Um, and I found it to be super effective. And how do you teach it? Like, do you just say, ah, uh-uh, and then move, like, move them, you know? Like, how do you yeah, teach Yeah, so um, there's so many examples, it's kind of difficult. Um, so if, like, Oscar grabbed my slipper the other day, and so I said, ah, ah, and he just kind of stopped at me. So I walked over and I grabbed the slipper, and I just put it back where it was. Uh, had he tried to go back to the slipper, I would have had to physically kind of block him and back him up, um, but he didn't. Um, and usually we start, usually they learn at at when we're teaching sit stay, because if they break their sit or they break their stay, they get an at at as well. Okay. Um, so usually they're learning it in the basic obedience portion and then it's easier to translate, I guess. That's a good question though. I don't really know. Uh, but I think because I use it for sit stay, it kind of just translates to everything else and they know that it means... Hey, no. <laughs> yeah. That, that's not correct. <laughs> um, I just, I feel like that's a question I get a lot. It's like, how do we give him an off command? Like, if he gets on the counter, you want him to get off. I'm like, he shouldn't be on the counter. Like, why are we yeah. giving him a cue to get off the counter? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's where it goes back to prevention of like, why is he in the kitchen? Right. Or if you don't mind him being in the kitchen, which clearly you do. Um 
then why are you not watching him? Or why right. is he meant? Why is he mentally bored? I mean, we could go down a huge rabbit hole of that. But yeah, I have never had off work for fucking anything, whether it be right. the counter or jumping. Like, never in my life has off made a behavior go in- extinct, ever. Yeah. Maybe just because I don't use off, but. <laughs> Well, if you said but off I mean, instead of your uh-uh, then it would be the same thing. But, like, yeah. but I, I would rather tackle, like, well, let's have him never get on the counter. Right? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to teach him how to get off. I want to teach him to never yeah. get on. Right? Well, and especially when, I mean, when we think about dogs, it doesn't matter if he's up there for two seconds. That two seconds automatically makes it worth it. So right. if you're not catching him before he's on the counter, you've already lost. Yeah. You can say whatever the fuck you want. It doesn't matter. You already lost. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> like, you have to catch him going into the kitchen or looking up on the counter before he gets up or, or, or something like that. But if his ha- if his hands, if his paws are on the counter, you are du- you already lost. You're done. There's nothing you can do at that point. Yep. I mean, you, you still have to get him down, obviously. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, one, you just have to be more preventative of, like, Pay attention. Don't let him wander over to the kitchen. <laughs> uh, or if you're not paying attention, give him something else to do. Uh, but yeah, I've I've just started using the verbal correction. Uh, just as like a universal. It just means stop what you're doing in all contexts. And it's going obscenely well. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's that's all. I just I've had it come up a couple times this week, and I was like, I wonder. I mean, I'm sure that Laura agrees, but I sometimes you surprise me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, uh, okay. So that is some extra ticks and trips about <laughs> training cues. We'll take a break here, and when we get back, we are going to talk about some of Laura's favorite products. margarita check how's it going have you finished it yet uh it's pretty much gone it's at the very bottom which is pretty chunky so i can't i can't drink it (laughs) i I tried it's gross my dogs loved eating the um like after i strained it there was like cucumber puree kind of in the strainer and they fucking loved it they went nuts I tried to hand everybody, like, the skin, and they looked at me like I was stupid. My my dogs love cucumber skins. My boys especially are very stupid. If I just act like the food (laughs) is exciting, they're going to eat it. So, like, they'll eat whatever. I'm like, ooh, look at this. uh, I'm sure uh, if I hand it to Noble and Doobie, they will eat it. But I handed it to uh, Boogie, who's not about that life. And Kenzie was just very confused. Uh, Charlie kind of smelled it and was like, that's a vegetable. Um, <laughs> that's that's how I live my life as well. Yeah. No, he's my son for sure. Um, you're still going strong, man. That's a lot of margarita left. It started out full. so No, I know. <laughs> I'm well aware. <laughs> that, that's a lot of drink. It it's is. Not a, that's not a baby mason jar. um yeah i'm kind of annoyed because i thought of another segment that i was like oh we really need to talk about that and um now i can't remember what it was uh uh but i do love this segment because i have a deep-rooted pet supply addiction (laughs) (laughs) and i really just have no interest in reforming it it's what I spend all of my money on and it's great uh, as seen here. Cause I couldn't even pick one product. I had to pick two, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think I've mentioned her on the podcast before, but I have a new uh, special needs foster named Kenzie. She's just a lot of work. <laughs> Um, she's got a lot of issues, so, uh, we've been working really hard on, like, her medical and her diet and her supplements and just everything. So, she has some digestive issues, and her stool is, I swear to God, it makes me want to die. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just super bizarre and inconsistent. Like, we've, we've done a fecal, we know she's healthy, 
Um, but like she'll have normal stool once a day and then have diarrhea like two or three other times a day. And I'm like, Hmm. first of all, where are you getting this other food from? Because there's no reason you should be pooping this much. Um, but yeah, I normally use the honest kitchen perfect form, which is like pumpkin and stuff like that. Um, that's usually my go-to supplement for digestion and I still love it, but it just didn't seem to be helping her at all. Um, so I have a friend who owns a holistic pet store in town, uh, and she turned me on to holistic pet organics who I've never even heard of, but they have, uh, uh, they have a bunch of different supplements, but, uh, they had one that's called canine complete, which not only has all the digestive enzymes and the pre and probiotics, uh, but it's also an all in one with vitamins, minerals, fatty acids, and antioxidants. Um, they had one that was just, just digest, but I was like, she's a mess. Let's just, let's just do everything. (laughs) But it was like, literally the first time I gave it to her, I noticed like an immediate difference. Um, and it's pretty affordable. And, um, I used it on one of my boarders had an upset stomach and I used it on her and it's same thing. It was like immediate. So I'm super impressed with that and I'm super excited about it. Uh, these are the things that make me excited (laughs) (laughs) and then the other supplement uh that saved my ass this week was colloidal silver so i have kenzie on colloidal silver because she has uh valley fever which is a fungal infection uh and colloidal silver is a natural antibacterial antifungal and antiviral so i've always used it like topically for like cuts burns hot spots stuff like that I've never really used it orally, but I started giving it to her just because valley fever fucks up your lungs. But then my new Borden train, they just adopted him from Utah, which like isn't weird. I bring shelter dogs in this house all the time. Never really had a problem. But he ended up starting to show like kennel cough symptoms a couple days after he got here, which like not a big deal. Not worried about it. I just started him on um, some immune stuff. But then, of course, Bruno was in the kennel next to him, and Bruno started coughing, (laughs) and then Perrier started coughing, and I was like, motherfucker. Which, like, not a big deal. It's easy to get rid of, but, like, I was worried that, like, my one of my other boarders goes home on Thursday, and I was like, I don't want to send her home coffee. (laughs) And then Bruno got adopted on Sunday, and I was like, oh, my God, he can't be coughing when he moves to the (laughs) house, and, like, all this stuff. Um, But literally, I did, like, two or three days... No, it must have been like three or four days of colloidal silver. Everybody's fine. So I didn't have to go spend, you know, $200 per dog at the vet. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I forgot about Perrier. He's still there. Oh, he's never going to (laughs) leave. Oh, my God. Literally, people, he doesn't get very much interest. He maybe gets one email like every couple months. And it's like people don't know how to read a bio or something. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, But all the time, they'll be like, oh, I have three dogs and two small children. And I'm like, yeah, he's not good with dogs or children. So, I mean, he's a hard placement. But even, like, one guy, I was so excited because he's, like, a single older guy that lived on, like, acreage in Arizona. And I was like, hell yeah, that's perfect. But then he was like, oh, I want a dog that can come to my friend's ranch with me every morning and be off leash. And I'm like, well, he's reactive as fuck to horses, Hmm. to everything, but especially other animals. So that's going to take a lot of work. And then he's like, oh, yeah, my son is, is around all the time. And I was like, well, it, an adult son, maybe, but it's going to take some work. Like, right. And he's like, oh, well, no. And I was like, he's a fucking behavior dog. It says it all over his profile. I told you multiple times, like, you think a behavior dog's just going to be okay running around free in the wilderness? <laughs> like, right. What? Um. So, yeah, he doesn't get very much interest, but... But yeah, so kennel cough saved my or kennel cough saved my ass. Colloidal silver <laughs> saved my ass. That's not one you hear every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just super crazy effective to have around for literally everything. Noble is having an allergy attack and has a bunch of lesions all over and it's helping with that. So yeah, colloidal silver and then the holistic pet organics canine complete uh, were, are my jam. 
Awesome. Well, my favorite product right now is something that we've discussed on the podcast, but it was before I I owned it. And now I own it. I have a biothane long line. And Aren't they the best? Oh my God, I fucking love it so much. I If you use long lines, I cannot stress enough how much this will change your life. Because they so smell great. so fucking bad. Like if you have a long line, it's always on the ground. There's no option for it not to be on the ground. And there's no way to clean it really well. And the biothane, like... It. The biothane, you can just, like, run a Clorox wipe over it, and it's clean. And it yeah. doesn't smell. And it's amazing. I can't yeah. say enough good things about it. I love it so much. I don't know so much about the smell, uh, but my big thing was I would use it with clients all the time. And so my hands would be fucking black from, like, the, the street and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yep. That's what would drive me nuts. And, I mean, obviously, I'd throw it in the washer. But, I mean, I'm not going to wash it every day. So I'd wash it, like, once every week or two, which isn't super sanitary. <laughs> so, yeah, the biothane is my jam. I usually just, like, hose it off real quick. Or if I'm feeling bougie, I'll toss it in the dishwasher. Uh, <laughs> yeah, biothane long lines. Even, I think I'm going to start getting uh, biothane leashes, too. Just the six-footers. Yeah. Although, you know what I think? I think I'm going to stop using six-footers and start using... Um, Four-foot? Ten to twelve. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much. Because uh, I have... Uh, I got a 15-foot biothane long line, and I love it. So, I think I, I might switch to 15, just standard. Who, I mean, who decided that six feet was standard? Yeah. I, I'm kind of surprised to hear you say it, honestly, but I like it. I don't know. I'm digging it. My 15 foot is my favorite. Although lately I've been attaching my 15 foot to my 30 foot. So I think I just need to buy a 50 foot. Because <laughs> I've been playing uh, fetch in the park with a bunch of dogs uh, and I'm not holding the long line. I just basically have it dragging just if there's an oh shit moment. So I think the 50 foot is better for that. That's a good product. Good job. Good pick. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Much, much less boring and nerdy than mine. <laughs> I think that about wraps it up, right? Yeah? Ready to wrap up? Yeah! Cool. I think that about wraps it up. Our 29th episode is ready to be let out of the kennel. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Miss Lily's Dogs or on my website, MissLilliesDogs.com, or my online training platform, Patreon.com slash MissLilliesDogs. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at LV and my website, ProperPuppersLV.com. Per usual, we don't know what we're doing next, so we'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Dogaritaville. Send us an email at dogaritaville at gmail.com. Or send us a DM on Instagram at dogaritaville. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to see covered. Or if there are any margaritas you want us to try. And don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time, give your dog a treat from us. <laughs>